0: Hey, it's Jody Butts, and welcome to At Risk. Happy New Year, such as it is. To kick the year off, we offer a wee bit of indulgence and respite from the crushing Omicron wave. Today, I'm joined by Aoi Senha, who is a litigation partner and public sector co-lead at national law firm McCarthy Tetra. He's also one of the funniest guys I know. Together, we take to our fictional action stations to discuss corporate governance as seen through the looking glass of HBO's succession. Owie isn't one of the BoJack guys who can blow up your Twitter, but he often acts as a special advisor to executive teams and boards of directors. Caught in high stakes ethical conundrums, so he understands this space well. Aoi and I discuss whether corporate governance is moving in the right direction and share some laughs over why we can't look away from the Logan family that does not embarrass. Thank you for joining me, Aoi, and welcome to Risk. Hey, Jody. How are you, pal? Very nice to speak to you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're going to have some fun today, right? Like The world is going to hell in a handbasket, so let's try and bring some levity to it, okay?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, listen, it's a bright spot to be on At Risk. Uh, uh, I'm a big fan, and uh, it's really fun to be on the show.
0: So we're going to talk about Season 3 of Succession. The masterpiece Art. that is season three of, of succession. Um, so to kick the conversation off, let me ask you. Um, you know, you're, you're a successful corporate lawyer. You've been involved in complex litigation. You advise on political matters. Is the state of corporate governance as bad as succession depicts it?
1: Uh, I'm not sure the state of hell is as bad as succession depicts it. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's pretty Shakespearean in its scope. But in terms of, uh, you know, the notes it's trying to strike about uh, corporate America and, and the corporate world in general, you know, obviously parts of it are extraordinarily dramatic. Maybe they're in some people's reality. Um, but some of the things about, uh, the mundanity of, of how power actually operationalizes itself um and and how it seeps into corporate governance and how big companies that affect everybody's lives work yeah there's definitely some truth being mined there i don't know what do you what do you think you must find some some hits of uh, oh yeah I, I get what they're talking about from your experience
0: uh, For sure. I mean, so, you know, I actually did a little bit of research to, you know, prep for this conversation. And, you know, there's some people who've dove really deep uh, on on the comparisons, right? They point out that there's parallels with the Murdochs, that there's parallels uh, with the Redstone family. Um, the one that really struck home uh, for me in terms of season three uh, was the Disney parallel and the ousting of uh, Michael Eisner after 20 years um, as chair. But the funny one that I actually, I mean, funny, uh, you know, funny, strange and funny, ha ha, I guess, um, uh, that I didn't even uh, appreciate had happened was that Summer Redstone actually didn't relinquish his chair role at CBS and Viacom until after an examination by a court ordered geriatric psychiatrist. <laughs> really? Wow. Yes. I know. It was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, maybe there is more truth than poetry uh, to, to succession that, that I even thought. <laughs>
1: well, just the terms of the order you were stating there was a journey. I can't even imagine what the road to get there was.
0: <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's lost. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, But you know what, what it did cause me to kind of ask myself um when I was looking at those examples is it's like, okay, so these are a handful of powerful companies, they represent a lot of wealth, but they, you know, they could still be a very small percentage of, you know, right. the corporate population. But what, in your view, is the impact of, let's just call them bad apples, Uh, you know, does their negative impact extend beyond um, their own balance sheets and shareholders?
1: Well, the answer is going to be sure. Uh, Yeah, sure they do. The idea of bad apples, I always found funny, right? Because it's, it's the bad apples in the applesauce is what you got to think about, right? Whether it infects and whether it flows and where it hits pockets of, of power or influence um, and become part of the corporate culture. You know, the, the fun thing about success, Succession uh, is, especially season three, that I really enjoyed was that it showed us characters like Josh Aronson and it focused on how Stewie was re-engaging with, um, uh, with, with Waystar. So I, I like the perspective, um, and Gojo taking a look at Waystar, Broico, I like the perspective of those people who are coming in and looking from an outside perspective at what's going on in this corporation and how it runs itself. Um, and, and trying to, to understand that situation and leverage that situation. And I'm partial to it because a lot of times the sort of actors I'm assisting are ones that are taking a look at um, somebody else's corporate entity and, you know, looking at how they govern themselves and what their corporate culture is. And so you're not necessarily looking for just bad people or or um, you're looking for whether or not it, it impacts corporate culture and how much it seeps in and how loud those voices are.
0: It's a really great point. In typical succession fashion, um, the episode uh, dedicated to that in-person shareholder meeting is called Retired Janitors of Idaho. So, the question is, you know, uh, is the Roy family basically going to throw their their future and their legacy into the hands of the retired janitors, or are they going to play ball with the you know josh Aronson's, the Stewies, yeah. the sandys um, of of the the world, and clearly they prefer um, to uh, put their eggs uh, in the uh, major shareholder basket <laughs>
1: well, well th- th- that's that 's definitely and true to the characters that 's exactly what they do but you mentioned the title of the episode, the brilliance of that I think, and the poetry of it is. Um, um the retired janitors of Idaho is a pension group that has a stake in Roy than in a passing joke. Um, Roman you know mentions the absurdity that they might uh, risk their future by trusting those votes and what to me is poetic about it is of course that's what the characters on this show think, but in the real world, what is terrifying is that the retired janitors of idaho hardworking women and men have trusted their future to these guys. Yeah. And that's where what's happening in corporate boardrooms and how companies govern themselves and how they embrace consciousness and actually, you know, creating a new type of capitalism is interesting, certainly for a prestige popular TV show to have as its focus. But the reason why the retired janitors of Idaho should should perhaps both be laughing and crying at what's happening and, and the option to go with larger shareholders instead.
0: Yeah. And I think it also makes the point, um, we're all kind of Waystar, Royco, right? Like how have our pension funds been invested? You know, uh our RSPs, you know, what 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 are they sitting in? Yeah. You know, do 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 we have a Waystar and a Royco in there and just not even realize it?
1: I mean, sure. And 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 the The beautiful dramatic tool, but also interesting corporate fact that this is a, you know, a a, a company that's got a family born company, um, that's got corporate structure, but still has got the family hierarchy at its core. Um, you know, through shareholder means, um, is, is fascinating to me and, and is an interesting, um, you know, legacy again of sort of a 20th century, uh, capitalism in a 21st century capitalism that's uh it, you know creates a lot of story arcs for them but uh i don't know like i tend to be an optimist and see shifts in boardrooms so that the cynical uh you know almost imperial behavior uh in succession there's truth to it Uh, obviously it's been part of our culture and society and our corporate growth. But, you know, the push and pull uh, towards something better, I I think is reasonable. What do you, what do you think? What do you see?
0: I do think it's in addition to kind of sort of saying, Hey, this is all of us. Like we're, we're we're all, you know, kind of invested in, in Waystar Royco. I also think it shows. You know, really, um, the, the lack of power on the part of smaller shareholders. Um, right. and, you know, in some ways kind of explains a little bit, um, the, the phenomenon of the reddit shareholder right so you know um you know last year we we saw shareholders on reddit um you know yeah blow up gamestop amc um you know a lot of discussion is happening uh on reddit and you know you have these kind of smaller shareholders trying to come together to you know flex uh influence um it is an interesting context within which to to view that episode, you know, uh, what, what, you know, what, what is the state of shareholder rights, you know, in many ways. You know, the proxy firms, ISS, Glass-Lewis, you know, uh, offer, you know, another form of accountability um, and measurement. You have things like, you know, the Globe and Mail board games, you know, that, 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 you know, attempts to try and provide some, you know, transparency to things. You have firms like... BlackRock, so like large investors sort of, you know, uh, raising issues, you know, like, uh, you know, ESG risks. So, 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 so you have a lot of people trying to influence the, the, the leadership, um, of companies. Um, and what succession kind of brings out is, okay, well, what if, you know, what happens when all of those efforts aren't really accepted in good faith, right? When, right. When, when, you know, when the leader just really wants to, you know, do what they want and hasn't, you know, just doesn't want to entertain these types of changes.
1: In its worldview, so far, at least what has drawn out is that that mentality wins out, right? It's, uh, you know, it's a fight for a knife in the mud. And and so that's how you win that. Whether that ultimately is how it goes, or maybe it doesn't, right? Because it looks like it's going to be swallowed up by Gojo. So, you know, what changes that means for inevitable evolution of corporate culture is, is on the table. But certainly the shareholder episode, uh, and really any episode where you get to see the board operating, um, the idea that you're serving the shareholder is a punchline. Right. Jerry says it a couple of times. The only thing I'm thinking about is the interest of the shareholder, which has played a little bit to my reading of it. Like she just doesn't want to get involved in whatever family drama is going on. Um, so it doesn't mean that, uh, that shareholders aren't, aren't getting served it seems to be a profitable company in the narrative of the show. Um, like a hugely profitable company. So what it's measuring against is. As you say, everybody's got a bit of this in their portfolio. So take a look at how your money is made. And, um, that's both actually not news, um, but throws a, a, a light on it and makes you look at it. Um, and I'm sure that makes, you know, people more interested in it. Um, but certainly the, the lack of power for smaller shareholders is something that the Reddit phenomenon sort of demonstrates, but will evolve, I believe, into shareholders using technology and using new ways to organize themselves to express power. And that's, you know, not an advocacy point one way or the other. I think that's just the way things are going to be. So watching that shift in power from Logan thinking that that's the way it always can, has to run and it can be run with an iron fist to the realities of, of, the world changing whether he likes it or not are are interesting to me and it'll be interesting to see if they take that on in season four.
0: Well I also think it's no coincidence that race star Royco is a is a company uh, whose shareholder value is diminishing, right? Um, you see that in the kind of the race between the market caps of uh Gojo and uh the Roy family company. Um, you know, this in that sense I, I you know it's 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 good art, but it's also, you know, um I think accurate. Like like there there is a cost to to these Matt machinations and, you know, the, the, the shrink, the, the, you know, sinking shareholder price, I, I think is bang on.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's a very good point because, I mean, look, as we know, a corporation can be a legal person. So if a corporation can be a legal person, I guess it can be a character on a show. And <laughs> if Waystar Art Royco is a character on Succession, then they've written it well, it has motivations, Right. Yeah. It's it's a gambler that used to be on top that's losing money fast, and is using its old school hustle and brutality to try to win one more time. Uh, and it's got, you know, people clawing at it. Um, so, yeah, they've they've built that right to to let the motivations. I think of these characters in their purest, ugliest forms sometimes. Uh, come forth. They've set up the truthful but also interesting to explore scenario of a company that was once perceived as indomitable being dominated or certainly losing track. Um, and, and it is an interesting question, whether in companies that are losing track um, it becomes easier or harder to try to affect change from what might be um outdated modes of, of governance and
0: uh, execution of executive operations. Absolutely. you know, And I think this is, I mean, in part what makes this show watchable because there's really, I mean, I, I welcome your take. Maybe, maybe before I go down this road, let me ask you, is there anyone redeemable on this show?
1: Well, <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, look, <laughs> We didn't even actually have to say it out loud, right? This is a toxic, um, corporate culture. (laughs) Um, and, and, uh, you know, and I'm no judge of morality in, 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 in in real life. Um, so what uh, redeemable from, from what point of view Shiv, um, is, you know, trying to find her way to say, look, I'll get in the, Photo with the white nationalist presidential candidate, but I'll stay. I'll stay a little bit off to the side. Um, is that redemption or is that succumbing?
0: And she's trying to lead a company that wouldn't allow women above the fourth floor for <laughs> in the not so uh, distant
1: past, right? right? And 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 you know th- th- the episode where uh, Roman accidentally sends the dick pic to uh, to his father. <laughs> and um, through a series of conversations, Shiv becomes aware that he's been doing this to Jerry and talks about whether they should call HR and file a complaint and, you know, start that up because she's, she's maneuvering to cut Roman out of influence on a decision and box him out. And Jerry and Jerry, the deeply, and the, and the actors played incredibly and it's written incredibly, the deeply, Disturbingly cynical way in which what would actually be good governance is used, um, is, 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 you know, another point where you sort of say, well, th- that perhaps is a point we say, well, can this character be redeemed? And then there's another part that says, well, you know, um, what when, when, uh, focus is thrown on it, maybe become a question of morality and redeemability. If we threw that focus on any random part of different people's lives, we might see decisions where people make and we go, oh, that's just part of the day-to-day. That's just part of the way this place works on Tuesday. So uh, what I think it's actually saying is if if Wastar Royko is a character, is it redeemable? Um, and then the also, are these characters redeemable? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know from where they're being redeemed or, or, or what surprising pinball directions, that sort of redemption takes you. It's kind of what I like about the show. There's no straight line.
0: I agree. I agree. So let's dig deep on Logan Roy. He's, oh no. you know, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So on the one hand, like accomplished entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Builder right. of something out of nothing. You know, and and as as he says, you know, he he does have an understanding of the world, but you know, a total megalomaniac, paranoid, um, you know, uh, mean, just like I mean, you know, terrible father seems like you know uh, to lowball it, Um, you (laughs) know, but 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 there's something doesn't seem warm and yeah, but there's still something tragic about him, and I think for me. The, what what makes him watchable it's not that i root for him because i certainly don't but but what makes him tragic is that you know he does see something very clearly and we may not like it but it doesn't mean it's not there you know and yeah. and he's clearly exploiting it um um, effectively, but I wanted to ask you, you know, like you, you've been practicing law for 20 plus years. How do you advise effectively, um, a CEO like Logan? How do you, how do you, you know, uh, manage a person like this?
1: <laughs> I, I accept all kinds of humans. Um, and, uh, I accept that, uh, I have to work with all kinds of humans. So I do try Um, uh, you're going to tease me for being corny, but I do try to see everybody as a human being first. Um, The set of facts and circumstances in which they find themselves and which I have to analyze will be better understood by everybody involved if I understand who this person is and what their motivations are. You know, I don't become everybody's um, um, therapist necessarily, but, you know, you want to make sure you have an understanding of who people are as people to kind of get some perspective on how this situation unfolds around them. That certainly, uh, helps. But with a, with a character like Logan Roy, who's, you know, great television character of all time, arguably, um, can I just fanboy out for one second? The actor, the incredible actor who plays him, Brian Cox. Did, did, did you know that he was in, um, uh, Michael Mann's Manhunter? In the early '80s, which is uh, no way, uh, which is the movie version of Red Dragon by by Thomas Harris, and uh, uh, Brian Cox is the first person to ever on screen play Hannibal Lecter. Funny, and he's a good Hannibal Lecter. I bet. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) So um, yeah, so so certainly there's um, some truth and reality, Logan. I, I I think it's interesting. Uh, when you sort of say, we may not like we may loathe parts of it, um but you can't deny that it's there i I think that's a good observation but the first um, unjudgmental thing I sort of accept is uh, genius exists i believe that um luck exists i believe that um, goodness or character exists I believe that. Those three things mix all kinds of weird cocktails, and some of them taste sweet and some of them taste sour and some of them OD on one ingredient and and, and some OD on another. Um, and some of them are just perfect. By uh, trying to understand those characteristics in people um, or in situations, um, allows me to sort of figure out a way to advise them and figure out a way to communicate with them on a level they will understand and almost i can interpret legalese into a lot of different human languages <laughs> i like to pride myself on that
0: absolutely do you think jerry does a good job
1: yeah uh, I, I do i think she's she's a fascinating character eh? and the the hugely memeable line um how does this serve my interests um or, or the uh, advice she gives to to Roman in another scene. How does this serve your interests? That's what you always need to be thinking about. You know, looking favorably upon Jerry, she thinks about that idea as the brain of the institution. How does this serve the interests of Wester Royko? It's taken as a bit of a, a joke sometimes because she understands the multi dimensionality of her position. But I, I, I do think she's perhaps one of the characters, at least on screen one of the only characters who's actually thinking about that to some degree. And in terms of her communication with Logan, you know, for my long-winded answer, the simple answer is she brings to the table the best thing you can possibly bring, which is honesty um, or at least directness um, and an ability to navigate situations, understanding all of the um, codes and subtexts and emotions involved. Like some of, the best, my favorite scenes on the show this season are scenes with, uh, Jerry on a telephone and you don't even hear who's on the other end. They're brilliantly played out. And I've watched you make calls like that, Jody.
0: <laughs> you know what? I just have to give it a think. Okay. Owie.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, one we're just throwing of my-
1: ideas around here, but let me throw another one at you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, before I leave Logan, I, I have to kind of pick your brain about um, this one line that, that, that he uh, utters to Kendall. And I believe it's in uh, the Lion in the Meadow episode, the, the mm-hmm. Josh Aronson one. And he turns to, you know, I think Kendall sort of says, you know, something like lines were crossed. And, mm-hmm. and Logan looks at him and he says, nothing is a line. Everything is always moving forever. And what I find so interesting about that is I think there is, you know, some really powerful insight to that. Like, for example, governance is ever changing, yeah. right? You know, um, uh, what, uh, what we monetize is forever changing. Um, but what's so interesting about it to me is that Logan has that insight, mm. and yet he's still, you know, I mean, he's so anti-Semitic in that <laughs> episode, right? Like it's just like, wow, like it's it's awful, and it's terrible, dude. Yeah, and you're like, okay, so if you know there is no line and everything is moving, you you must also know that the line doesn't always move to your advantage, and that you yeah. have to you have to change Logan, but he doesn't seem to hold himself to that like that is logan 's challenge. he sees the world, he holds everybody to that standard except himself
1: well that's interesting um, because you know change is, ch- change is a tactic right his His strategy is how do I survive in a world where everything is moving all the time. And he has not yet embraced that change is the way that I do that. Or, or maybe he's embracing that with Gojo at the end. Um, but, but in a personal level, he's sort of believing he can stay who he is. And I actually don't think he's, I mean, he's, as you say, sort of a real horrible prejudiced person in, in, in many ways, but I think he's actually sort of amoral. And yes. I, I think he, he's amoral in a way that's, he believes he has cracked the matrix code. And has seen humanity for what it is, and morality is a chaotic little tale we have societies tell itself so that it doesn't go into a Hobbesian state of short, nasty, and brutish, right? It creates some order to have morality. But since he's seen the code, he can see beyond it and and operate regardless of it. Um. Like, he doesn't care about anybody else enough to actually be committed to his prejudices against them. If they could make him money. Yeah, that's
0: right. He'll still do business with them. sure, sure, sure. sure.
1: (laughs) Um, Just be a colossal dick to him. Um, But, you know, um, that line, though, you bring it up, I remember watching it and sort of turning to Tanya and, and sort of saying, like, you know, sometimes there's beauty in what people write. And sometimes it resonates with what you've seen in your experience and what you've learned. And that's a hell of a line. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's good advice. Everything's moving all the time forever.
0: Agreed. There's another great line in that episode. If you can't tell, it's my favorite episode. Yeah. Um, And not just because I'm an Adrian Brody fan, but I'm that yeah. too. But um, when, when they're returning from the lunch and Logan is, you know, experiencing, I think, what we come to understand as dehydration. Uh, right. but, but he's failing. He's clearly right. failing. Josh mutters to himself as he's kind of walking away trying to call a cart or a doctor or something. He says, look, it's the quick way, but sometimes it's slower. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, it's interesting. I mean, I think that's another, like, just incredible, incredibly powerful theme uh, to this season, which is, you know, everybody's just trying to take shortcuts, right? Like, even Kendall. Kendall, this is his second run at his dad, and there's a part of me that thinks he would be successful if he could just have, you know, an attention span that was slightly longer than in that, or focus at all on execution, like have steps to the plan, uh, you know, like maybe
1: there's levels of of there's, there's levels of tragedy uh, uh, to all the characters, and and, and Kendall particularly is all, uh, sort of Hamlet like, um, and, and Jeremy Straw is n- incredible like everybody thoroughly enjoy watching him do that. It, it, but one of the things that's sort of tragically lost, you know, at a very surface level is strikes me that if it wasn't for all this crazy um family um trauma he's going through, uh, Kendall Roy would be a pretty good executive. Seems to be kind of good and taken his education and absorbed it a bit. You know, he's got huge, ridiculous character flaws that are I think, again, part of his circumstances, part of his his luck, be it good luck or bad luck, to be in his situation. Um, but he strikes me as there's, there's a few scenes um, where um, I can't remember in which episode it was where Shiv, uh, who has recently joined them and is, is talking about uh, uh, a possible takeover deal in season two, um, Sh- Shiv starts giving a lot of advice, and he says, you know, Shiv, you're new to this. Take a beat, eh? Um, and and you know he's operating at a level where she thinks he's missing the point, and he gets that they're getting to the point in a more um, uh, a more direct way, right? Um, yeah. So it it is it is kind of interesting to watch how he operates there. I don't know. Do you see that at all, or do you think I'm off base with Kendall?
0: No, I think, I think you're right. I think it's kind of true of all three of them, but in very different ways. Like they, they all have different strengths. Um, you know, there's that scene in, um, the bedroom of Kendall's daughter, right? It's in one of the earlier episodes of season three and Kendall kind of lays out how he sees the world. And he says, look, guys, America is waning. Amazon is 20 years old. Bill Gates is old. Um, And he says to them, I've got the vision to take the company, in his own words, supersonic. And to me, like, that's Kendall, right? It's like, you know what, Kendall? Like, I mean, that sounds kind of right. But when your idea of a plan is to say supersonic, you kind of lose me.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, you know, Kendall doesn't actually... he's got a he's got an accent except his accent isn't uh upper east side his accent is management speak oh um, corporate
0: parlance is so amazing <laughs> in the show
1: there's uh there's a scene where he asks Greg to monitor his twitter and tell him uh whether anything uh moves the dial on him demographically or reputationally or something like that yes. it's just it's just brilliant and i'm like yeah He's just speaking English. I, I speak his language. <laughs> it does sound all out loud.
0: Okay, so share with our listeners, Owie. Have you ever hired BoJack guys to really light up somebody's Twitter? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no comment. Um, we're, we're in discussions with Canada 2020 right now yeah
0: exactly exactly. What I love about um while there's so much I love about the corporate parlance even even though it's super dark i I love the the use of language but but a small kind of touch that I really appreciate about it is how how within the writing they acknowledge how viral that talk is, like you gave the example of season two right uh, of um Kendall telling Shiv to take a beat. Similarly, Jerry went when uh, she's with um, Shiv and Roman, and they're meeting with Stewie and and the Sandys. um, When you know they're talking um, about the about the PJs the private jets. Um, uh, (laughs) um, She says, you know, we're just going to take a beat. So they show how it, how it keep, how it just kind of replicates itself um, and how it gets passed between them. Right. Um, And how that idiom itself becomes, um, you know, it becomes the language of power, even in its absurdity.
1: Yeah. I mean, like it's, and again, it's just ways people communicate, right? And I, I gave up a long time ago trying to, uh, trying to judge whether language was uh, absurd <laughs> or whether it was, you know, oh, this is avant-garde language or this is traditional language. I just try to figure out whether it helps me. Move along an idea, and if people in the audience base to whom I'm trying to communicate, if it passes on the understanding I'm trying to to them, I'll take it. A lot of stuff doesn't have any meaning, and um you know it exists and it's a nuisance uh, but it tells you a lot about how people uh are are seeing communication or perhaps what their level of understanding of something is, right. <laughs> how much of it they're using
0: yeah like that's kendall right he uses it because he can't he doesn't have a complex plan behind the big ideas so he uses these words to kind of try to put you know an exclamation point or or a cherry on on the top of the thought but it often you know it it kind of lands flat like supersonic and you know uh moving the dial reputationally, you know, all that stuff. It's like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, if we're going, just to go down this route for a minute, because I do find it fascinating. The reason for that, of course, is, and I've actually read a bunch of stuff about this, The, the reason for that, and I believe it is that that utterly lacks authenticity. Right? So what somebody's doing when they're using those sorts of words authoritatively and in that manner is, if you understand what they mean, they're communicating to you two things. Number one, they lack authority. And number two, they seek to be deemed authoritative. That's very interesting. Right. So they, they want, they want all the credit for smart with none of the elbow grease. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody who talks like that is that uh, I talk like that. Right. So, um, I, I'm not saying that's totally negative. I'm just saying that's the fear you have is that somebody's trying to use it just as verbal currency to show that they uh, are there and it's not advancing anything. Um, it, it is interesting to me, though, that if Kendall was to say, not perhaps in the context of succession, but his plan that he laid out in that episode, if Kendall was to say that to his team and say, and that's as much as I've got, I, I, we all need to have, I'm taking any good ideas about how we operationalize that, um that's what I'm bringing to the table for the team to sort of figure out how we go to the next step, I think it might be embraced. Supersonic suggests that he already knows what the plan is and he's going to unveil it to you. And so if you sign on, you feel like you've been sold the bill of goods as opposed to knowing up front that what you're on is somebody who's got, if you trust them, a good idea and a good direction, but everybody's got to work towards it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think the other uh, aspect is is that idiom is often used to exclude, right? You know, if yeah, you're totally. not if you're not in on the idiom, then you're not, you know, with the the A group, the alpha dogs, as it were. Can I tell you a secret? Yeah,
1: it's just it's just you and me, right? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you remember um, the the Two thousand movie American Psycho with Christian Bale, oh, where they're wow. all Wall Street investment bankers. There's the famous business card scene, and one of the characters asks Jared Leto's Paul Allen go play squash on Friday night. And Jared Leto, is passing his business card, says, "No can do. Got an eight thirty res at Doria. Great sea urchin ceviche." And I. <laughs> I have over the 20 year course of my career, from time to time, without crediting it, used that as a reply to people. <laughs> and it has just gone into, and people have been like, oh, okay, cool. Like, let me know if we can get together Monday. <laughs> yeah. You're
0: yeah. like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! God.
1: So that's excluding everybody but myself from 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 the use of idiom, but <laughs> it, it's because I loved it so much as a pure. Like obviously, it's a satire, but it was pretty bang on there. That that's the purest satire I've ever seen of the use of idiom, right? Like idiom, status, um, uh, availability, and desirability, power. Uh, another brilliant movie that I'm sure I suspect Jesse Armstrong, right? Succession has seen American Psycho.
0: Oh, listen, it's just so darn seductive, right? I mean, that's it. It is a big part of why I watch. Like, I just I can't look away from the dialogue. Like, it's just so uh, it's so delicious. Sometimes, even when it's terrible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think it's non judgmental about, um, its characters and their redeemability. And that's why I kind of think that I like that the arc doesn't seem to necessarily be a, you know, strict one from, from, um, from fall to, from grace to redemption. Uh, it's just saying this is a situation that exists probably in the world from as all the, you know, the comparisons you mentioned, Jody. And, this is the way I can put my fictional spin on it as a theater for these characters and let's go. And these great words and these great, you know, big topics and beautiful sets. Um, so it's, it's, it's got all those ideas in there and just, you know, kind of rolls with it without uh, prejudging whether they're good or bad. And that's a pretty I take that. I I feel like that's a pretty good way to view the world. Not to say that's where you finish. You can be judgmental um, once you take it in. But as a story being told to you, I think that's more interesting than it prejudging it and telling you to love or hate these characters.
0: Yeah, well, the best characters, right, are the ones that um, you see all the flaws, uh, but you still are intrigued to know what happens right and they do they do a very good job of that
1: can i just ask you one question because you asked me about how jerry was doing and knowing your expertise there's um there's a vote um about logan where logan's standing outside of the <laughs> how did you feel about that from a governance point of view jody
0: well first of all i love how sandy in response says um can the minutes reflect that Logan is staring? <laughs> and I actually thought that that probably wasn't such a bad idea, to yeah. be honest. I was like, it's probably a good idea. There's, uh, to, to have that, that noted, uh, in the minutes. <laughs> in the minutes. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, the reality is, um, I think from a conflicts point of view, you know, he cannot, uh, participate. Uh, in the discussion and uh, he cannot seek to influence the discussion because he is in a conflict and it's the kind of conflict where the mere disclosure of it doesn't quite you know cleanse cleanse the situation right, right. but but he can glower like Hannibal Lecter <laughs> the glass <laughs> Well, you know, I mean it'll be interesting to see if we find out if there's ever kind of a shareholder act action right, like you know um, whether there're derivative claims or um or you know kind of oppression right. remedy like claims. It's very close to the line, but that's, you know, that's Logan's space. That is his, uh, you know, home turf is, uh, is using his power to, you know, the greatest extent possible. Um, and, you know, in the context of what, what should Jerry, you know, kind of do in that situation as general counsel for, for the company? Uh, on the one hand, I do share your view that it, In many ways, she does a good job of, you know, um, of, uh, you know, living up to her fiduciary duties to the corporate interest. But, you know, you're like, uh, Jerry. Don't get twisted. Jerry's a survivor. She's a survivor. It's like, you know, Jerry, you might, you might want to get on the record that, that you tried to raise succession yeah. planning or, you know, ESG risks or, you know, that, that you know, maybe may, may, maybe a discussion around diversity, equity, inclusion should happen yeah. at the board well, level. Well, it's funny. <laughs> they
1: actually, they hit this issue pretty squarely, if not directly, and there's a great line, I think, when, uh, and I think it's the episode um, where they're um, – at the cabal picking the who they're going to support to be the presidential candidate uh, and the families in the room talking about who they're going to pick. And, and Shiv is trying to talk about um, how all of those issues are, are creating a new corporate culture and saying the climate will eat you alive. And he says, uh, Logan says uh, the climate thought that I was done for, you know, the climate thought that I was, out and I'm still here. And he stands up and says, I guess I'm a climate denier. And it's pretty on the nose, but I thought it was a great sort of wrap-up of the idea that he's not unaware that all of these pressures to change are coming at him. Uh, He simply chooses as his plan of action, as his tactic, to withstand them and to find other ways to to go around them, even while cynically understanding how much they have to speak the language of it. That I do hope, uh, and believe is a caricature, you know, a well-wrought caricature of, of, uh, corporate culture, at least in my experience in, in Canada. Uh, that's not the way everything's trending. Certainly not. I really do believe there's a a change away from that, um, you know, vicious lie and kill at all costs corporate culture and, and, you know, a lot of the democratization of the ability uh, of people to organize their voices being heard, as we were discussing before, I think is a part of that. And I think that's kind of good. Like, that's a good, sustainable, healthy, conscious capitalism that, uh, you know, can, can, can help people do a lot, find a lot of profit for shareholders and keep the engines running. Maybe that's too Pollyanna.
0: No, I don't think so. I I think, you know, the other side of the coin is that's what's insidious about Logan Roy, because we have to recall that, yeah, there is this climate and a movement towards stakeholder capitalism and understanding um, that corporate purpose is something that goes beyond um, uh, exclusively being the interests of the shareholder. Um, But all of these companies um, exist in a competitive environment. And so when one company, one very large company, um, doesn't accept that challenge, mm. then does, you know, you feel like it there has to be an opportunity cost to that. Maybe it doesn't stop change, but maybe it slows change. Um, And maybe, maybe that's a pretty big cost. No, for sure. It slows change, but
1: you know, where we land right now. And again, it's a, it's it's a story first, so it could take all kinds of changes in season four, but where we land at the end, to your, to your point, it actually, it actually happens kind of quietly without a ton of drama in terms of Logan's reaction. Where it ends is that resistance to change for a myriad of reasons, including some of the things that Kendall has thrown onto the fire, uh, bring his downfall, and he's out. And the company that he's built and tried to fight as a lion to keep is gone, and it's sold to Gojo. Um, And I do find it interesting that they didn't sort of paint that out with him rending his clothing and screaming at the moon about his empire having fallen, right? Um, he, he's just sort of, I'm still winning. I'm winning whatever the next business deal is. You, you sort of misunderstood my motivations. My motivations weren't necessarily to keep my company and my legacy. My motivation was while that was the definition of winning, that's what I wanted. And now it's this, and I didn't have to change at all. And you think I lost the company, but I lost your future, not mine. Right. He's, he's just,
0: absolutely
1: he's, he's sort of pure
0: <laughs> yeah yeah he he is solely focused on his for him i think winning is financial it's power but money and power are so closely aligned you know i think he's potentially willing to give up the platform um of you know uh, Waystar and Royco to Gojo but I for me that's actually unclear because at one point him and Mattson talks about you know um maybe um our friend Logan, you know, keeping, you know, a chair sure. roll or something, or maybe a board seat or so, yeah. so, so that, 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 remains to be seen. But I want to ask you, what, what do you think, like, like any predictions for season four, like what, you know, you know, we had a shareholder meeting, we had investor um, <clears throat> meetings, we had a buyout offer to Kendall and now we have this M and a discussion with Gojo. What, wh- where do you see things going uh, in season four?
1: Well, listen, before, while I buy time and before I give you an answer to that, and I want to know your, your predictions for season four. One thing I do want to just take a second on is how awesome I think the concept of Gojo is written because you know, just the scenes where they're like, Gojo's market cap is whatever. And they've got their platforms got so many users and they're pushing out this much content. And what about the sports betting? <laughs> And then, you know, I'd read a bunch of think pieces that are like, you know, could Gojo holding this? Does it represent these companies in real life? And I'm like, it's it's a MacGuffin. It's it's fantasia. It's it's the thing that's coming next. It's everything's changing always, forever. Uh, and it is just it's what's coming next. It is the iteration and who got this these signals about the change of corporate consumer. Uh, life correctly. And it is the beast. We don't know yet whether it's moral, immoral or amoral. Um, you know, the show gives you hints, but it's the next iteration of what Logan would have built. Had he been born, um, in the Gojo era.
0: That's very astute. I think that's true.
1: I, I, so I just love, I love Gojo because it's everything and nothing. Um, uh, it's an 8.30 res at Dorcia Where they have great sea urchin ceviche It means everything <laughs> means nothing um, but, but look, in terms of the structure for, for season four, I haven't got a clue I actually, I actually am a, a decent fan In the sense that I don't try to I don't think too much about what's coming next I just kind of enjoy it as they, they serve it up Because there's so much other stuff going on right now um, But uh, I do think that I mean, the way it looks like uh, it's going to be the epic battle between the three siblings uh, and Logan, assisted by what I think is the coolest and smartest character arc of any TV show I've seen in a while, uh, which is Tom. Um, and Tom, um, you know, rising as as kind of the killer, perhaps that Logan said he thought he needed. Um, I, I think that face off. Is coming. What ma- how it manifests itself? Whether it's something about trying to block uh, the Gojo merger, or something about you know the Gojo merger having a twist, and then wanting to bring the siblings on board. Uh, I-, I look forward to, to seeing. What about you? What do you think?
0: Well, I have questions and thoughts. I wonder if, uh, I mean, from a corporate governance point of view, there has to be a board meeting where they where they make a decision <laughs> sure. about. Yes. This acquisition, right? And we know that Shiv now has a board seat. And we know from uh, season two, when there was a board meeting, that both Kendall and Roman have seats as well. Because you remember when they're doing the hand raising?
1: But Kendall tried to resign from the board and Logan said no when he rebuffed his offer. So he keeps it still on the board, isn't he?
0: He's still on the board. He still he still is a large shareholder as well as is Roman as is Shiv, and so are Sandy and Stewie, right? So they seem like they're favorable to it, but you know We'll, we'll have to see. And and I like fingers crossed that Josh Aronson comes back. Like hopefully there's yeah. a discussion between Matson and Aronson. Like that would be amazing.
1: <laughs> I like Matson's too, but Aronson's are really well drawn out character didn't you find
0: oh yeah i felt like i had met him before like i was yeah, like I, totally. I, I must know this dude like totally. <laughs> um so so i wonder about that and you know um and depending on you know who w- of the major shareholders who's on board and who's not uh you know there could be another disputed shareholder meeting right
1: right yeah it could go in a lot of a lot of different directions but. Uh... It, it it has been a lot of fun to watch. And and can I just take a second? I don't, this has been a yeah. lot of fun to, to chat. Um you know, you you're in so many spheres professionally. I'm in uh, my legal world which crosses with a lot of professional spheres. We talk to a lot of people who are in professional life and the appreciation of art, particularly during the lockdown. Um even something as fun as a TV show uh, is sometimes seen as a distraction from what we do. And I actually think it's pretty central to what we do and the ability to take in art and particularly art that's looking at worlds in which, you know, uh, we operate, uh, I think is really valuable. And so it's been a lot of fun, but it's uh, uh, always educational to be able to have a chance to talk about uh, great fun art like succession. So thanks for that.
0: Oh no, thank you. Thank you. And I do kind of believe in in our own way that 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 we all kind of have skin in this game, right? Yeah. Like uh, to to, you know, take uh, to borrow from some corporate parlance there, skin Absolutely. in the game. But um <laughs> um you know, in in a way, you know, whether it's, you know, these very large uh corporations, you know, Apple and Tesla and Facebook and Amazon, you know, they they there's they're just so large and and in one way another whether as consumers or or in fact shareholders or customers you know we're 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 all kind of um engaged in these stories so so i agree it's it's a it's a it's a good way to to kind of uh reflect on you know what what we actually think about uh these things so i have one last question for you yeah who are you rooting for
1: the retired janitors of idaho <laughs> i hope every character gets their comeuppance in the end
0: <laughs> i think that's true but i have to tell you i love tom Wamscamps. Yeah. i mean first of all his last name is Wamsgams, and yes. i think that's pretty amazing and i think cousin greg is uh he's such an interesting uh character Um, and how, you know, like, amazing, you know, there's that great scene between him and Logan where, where Logan kind of coaches him, right? Like on how to ask for things. Um, uh, and, you know, I felt like that was a little bit of foreshadowing. And as much as, you know, Tom is a compromised, uh, character, uh, I do. They're all horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like they're all horrible. Right. Like, and. But what I find, what 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 I guess, what I'm, I can't help it. It probably makes no sense. But but what's so interesting to me about Tom is that you know he offered a sacrifice, and it yeah. and if and if a sacrifice, you know, to the gods, yeah, blood. Is, <laughs> is, blood. is 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 what gets you leverage. What an interesting <laughs> story it's a, that it's that, a hell that over is. How the currency
1: right? exchange, eh?
0: exactly, um, exactly.
1: Uh, although I- you know what? I'll revise my answer. I'll tell you one person I am rooting for outside chance to win it all, Dark Horse. Yeah. I love Stewie. Yeah. I think, I, I think Stewie's every moment that Stewie's on the screen is a good moment of television. Um, uh, he's, he's, uh, uh, he, as a character and, and, and also just as an entity, the entity that is playing in this world but not necessarily directly part of the um, um, grand drama at its core. I kind of hope that guy wins.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Aoi Sinha. This was such an amazing conversation. And, you know, you're right. It's like one part distraction, one you know, one part fun, and one part, you know, like, hmm, these are things we should kind of think about. <laughs> totally.
1: Thanks a lot, Jody.
0: Have a great day.
1: You too. Bye-bye.